Well, Kate and Adam, welcome to 1987. Yeah, Kate, thank you for joining us in this insane thing that we're stuck in. Feels great to be in 1987. As if it was your choice. (laughs) (laughs) So I was born three years ago, so I'm not super worried about running into myself. Adam very worried about running into different Mm. incarnations of himself throughout the years. Mm. It's like that butterfly effect Mm. thing I'm worried about. Right. Disturbing the thing. I am not even one. Okay. And I was a baby of 19 days. Oh my goodness. Oh. So. This is like your moment in the world. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Also just released into the world, (laughs) U2's Joshua Tree. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, was that the song? Was was that the album that was like super popular when you were born? Was Joshua Tree? <laughs> yeah, first memory. I was gonna say, you're asking <laughs> now. Now, Kate, what what were you listening to? Well, the, <laughs> the, the reason I asked is that like "Beat It" was the number one song the day I was born. Like it was Billboard top the top one, and it, like I have a weird affinity for it, and have be, before I knew. So I didn't know if you have an affinity. Can't to, say I do have okay. an affinity to you too. To any you two. <laughs> Rats. Back well, to the edge of hair. I guess, Adam, you're going to have to make a new hypothesis. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I just like uh, Michael Jackson songs. I think I would be like Guns N' Roses or something, which also, like, yeah, not, not for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it would be funny. It's like, except for November Rain. Like, weirdly, I just. <laughs> Maybe it's more of like an in utero. Uh, oh, hypothesis. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, know? in utero is much later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, should we see what movies are playing? Yeah. Um, okay, so we have Lethal Weapon. Mm. Can do all for the shit. I guess that mm. one. <laughs> and Raising Arizona. Have you guys seen either of these? I've seen Raising Arizona. Nick? Same. I have not, but I have seen Lethal Weapon. Oh. Well, this could be really good yeah. because... <gasps> Kate, you could give us the kick we need to actually get home. Yeah. All right. We can complete some memories. We have three of us doing two films. Yes. Like, this is very promising. Mm. Yes. And it's like Kate is 19 19 days old, so, like, that's got to mean something, too, right? I mean, she's got a glint in her eye. Right. Like, it's like new energy. (laughs) (laughs) Baby power. Baby power. Um, I have to say, I'm not thrilled about the idea of watching Lethal Weapon. I mean, I remember it being fun. Okay. And that's about all I remember it. I love Raising Arizona, so I I would love to send you to go see it. Same. Okay. I mean, about the Raising Arizona <laughs> and the Lethal Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Um, I'll get tickets this time? Yes. The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Arizona. 
flower you are. A day I'll never forget. I did. You bet I did. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep his childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby pod. I got more than I can handle. At the time, his little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're gonna go pick up Daddy. I'll be taking these nuggies and uh, whatever cash you got. You want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. Let's go get Nathan Jr. Raising Arizona, a comedy beyond belief. Well, it ain't Ozzy Adam, how you feeling? Uh, so I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. Like dot dot dot. Big ellipses. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, and I think this was. I enjoyed the movie. Um. I was a lot more. I, I was de- much more depressed than I was expecting. To be. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, for like a, a a bit of a romp of a film, right? Like, because I know that this was kind of in response to Blood Simple being so dark yes that they'd kind of like swung the other way and they i find with the coen brothers too like they're like one really 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 good and then the next movie's meh and this was supposed to be the one that broke that trend Mm -hmm. but um i don't know i'm interested to see what you guys remember about it kate what do you remember about raising arizona so um i saw this movie um when i was probably like nine or ten oh wow so it it's been a minute (laughs) Um, it was when my brother, who's significantly older, he was the one that would every now and then come back and introduce me to something cool. That's awesome. And, Amazing. and so it was that. Um, and but mainly I just remember um, like the smoking. <laughs> there is a shitload of smoke. No, everybody smokes so much. Yeah. 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 Like and I think probably like. I was raised in like a pretty much middle class household. And so I think I remember as a kid witnessing like lower class mm. house. I, yeah. I I remember it was like, it's like a trailer trash. Can yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- boof or something. I'm sorry. I know the it, darkness too. I guess I kind of remember, but Oh, interesting. Uh, but it, like that feeling of it being heavy. Um, but I, I think it was like, Oh Wow. These people don't have lots of money and they're smoking a lot. (laughs) I mean, you've kind of defined it. Yeah. Yeah. You could write the blurb on the back of the box. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, um, blood simple is one of my favorite Coen brothers movies. Oh really? Okay. Um, I find it like absurdly likable as a live action cartoon basically. Okay. Um, and what I'm really excited to talk about is how these two movies both are really products of this Reagan era mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in a lot of the same ways, but yeah. in some different ways too. Um, because in the case with raising Arizona, you have like Reagan's grotesque sunbelt portrayal. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you have like the, um, is the is his name Nathan Arizona? Is that yes. the, uh, the rich wow. guy? Great member. Yes. Yeah. Um, he uh, <laughs> the furni- the uh, unpainted furniture mogul. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's he's like a this blustery like 
vest wearing uh crass materialist like, entrepreneur mm-hmm. bolo ties with giant chunks of amethyst yep. amethyst um turquoise yeah turquoise <laughs> but he's uh, like yeah he's like this symbol <laughs> of this type who is like um in this moment fattening themselves on mm. like the Reagan thing, yep. low taxes, vulgar spending, mm. whatever. Yep. Mm. And then you have the, the foil of that being Nicholas Cage's character, which is, I, I don't remember his name. I'm trying to remember. Too. Uh, hi, H I. Oh, right. H I. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I think it's Hubert. Herbert is his actual name. Yeah, yeah. He signs right. a, yes. a letter near the end of the movie, but like the whole time is like, my name is H I something. I can't remember his last name, but yeah, that he, then he's like, everybody calls me high because it's high and Ed. Yes. The, yeah. The um, and so like you have that character who's like the downtrodden proletariat, but like fueled by this same world stuff that's happening. So like he still has the same like small minded acquisitiveness as the rich counterpart yes. in the film um, it, under like it, it's not Marxism, but like uh, I, I wrote, I jotted down just now, like one of my favorite lines from a Coen Brothers movie, yeah. which is from this movie, which is him saying, we thought it was unfair that some should have so many while others should have so few. Yeah. As he's take stealing a baby yes. from a rich person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very literal. Yeah. 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 Um, which he's calling repeatedly a critter. Like it's never really referred to as a baby, baby. or a human. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I want to hear about what you want to say about this, but like it, this whole movie to me is just about this like system of value that is like affecting every class in America, prizing status and consumption. And again, regardless of like rich or poor, um, everybody is just like churning through this like disgusting machine. Yes. I would agree with that. Anyways, that that's why that it's one of my favorites of, of his, but absolutely dark yeah uh so i did not pick up on the larger political uh uh philosophies mm-hmm. my m- for the thing that i darked me out was uh the systemic uh emotional abuse and like spiritual abuse that was happening like like generationally to everybody in this movie yeah mm-hmm. um it felt like everybody's a, a very damaged person who is continuing to damage people down the line. Sure. And I, and I just kept watching like sad interactions after sad interactions <laughs> of like hurt people, hurting people. Mm. just like, the was, sad <laughs> yes. And it was like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was just in a mood or what it was. Cause it, it, it hurt just yeah. watching everybody get like continually, that's also like a fairly common Coen brothers trope. Though. It is a Coen. Like it's just like characters burning themselves out while yeah. taking every single person in their vicinity down with them. And maybe <laughs> I like, you know, if we, if we ever get back, I'll have to watch uh, big Lebowski again. Cause it's the same th- type of thing. Like everybody in that movie is yeah, yeah. broken, but I find it hilarious. They're broken in very funny ways. Mm-hmm. And this I found, and maybe this is a proto Cause this is early. I mean, I think yeah. let is their first movie, right? I think, yeah, I think, I think this is their second. Okay. So uh, I'm wondering if they just aren't good at like balancing it yet, or it's still raw, maybe like a uncut sort of version of it. Because like John Goodman, especially is like ugly. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Just like his character is so manipulative and Mm -hmm. like everything he's doing is preying on the naivete and like inherent goodness of high. Like every time uh, Ed leaves the room, he's like belittling her and like trying to like, yeah. you know, high, like who wears the pants in this family? Like just mm-hmm. really like playing on like cultural misogyny, which high doesn't really subscribe to, but he's like having to balance all of that. Um, I just, I, I found it like that very painful. And then watching like Ed basically break because of, you know, her inability to have children. And then like, I mean, a lot of this is in that like very beginning where, where uh, High's just narrating all of like the descent of where they, and like, I love, it's like an incredibly beautiful love story of the two of them meeting oh, in the yes. worst, and I, like Holly Hunter, this was made for her. And I yeah, think yeah. I, she I, I was gonna say, mm-hmm. looking the, fli- the files back here, I think it literally was made for her. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> like they literally wrote the part for her. Uh, it's just, uh, amazing. And Nicolas Cage was the most endearing I think I've ever seen Nicolas Cage mm. be. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, do you remember the chase scene at all? I mean, I feel like I've seen so many scenes of Nicolas Cage in a car. <laughs> Running. Yeah. That yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> that to me is like he's the mostly most on memorable like, he's mostly moment on foot. of film in this, in, this, in this movie. In the chase scene, he's mostly on foot. He yeah. starts it's oh, when, when okay. he like, it's after they have, dear God, uh, also, I did not recognize Frances McDermott for the longest wow. time. Just like didn't recognize her. And then suddenly like McDormand. She, what did I say? McDermott. McDermott. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Frances McDormand. I did like I didn't recognize her. And then suddenly like she yeah. made like one fish. Like, oh, my God. Like, that's that's <laughs> Frances McDormand. Yeah. Because uh, she's so expressive. And I've like usually she's so, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like tightened. Yeah. But it, she's like so expressive. But like that entire family pissed me the fuck off. Like her, oh. and her husband. Which I know it's supposed to. They're great. I love them. And uh, I just like their kids. They're dipshit kids. And that's the thing is like watching like them just destroy these kids lives. <laughs> I mean, I got I got really into like he's already learned his letters and he's writing fart on the wall. That made me laugh. The kid writing fart on the wall is like one of my all time favorite movie moments. It was such a like an, I felt like an 80s like I'm just going to like anyway. Yep. Uh, but then like he literally wings a handful of M&Ms at one of the kids and yells think fast. And the kid literally like has to like, oh, no, he's hit the deck and he flings Eminem like overhands as hard as he can. And I, and I was like, this is this would have been funny in the 80s. I don't find it mm. funny now. I find this sad mm. and like deplorable. Oh, absolutely. Mm. But I feel like I feel like um, and not only in this movie, but particularly in this one, I feel like the Coen brothers have this like this contempt for culture that does this to people. Mm. Sure. Um, you know, there's uh, the, these weird little subdivisions and there's TVs blaring in every single fucking room. And there's just, like this portrayal of like all of this stuff is, is just the environment that these people are placed in. And totally. this is how people act when they're placed in those environments. Totally. Um, also, this is not related to anything. Nothing about Arizona appeals to me. You're a Northwest boy. Oh, absolutely. You have nothing. You, you'll have nothing to do <laughs> you with have Arizona. Nothing. You I have <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, what city is it set in? Tempe, I think. I think it's Tempe. 
it doesn't really like, it doesn't really show a lot of it. Like there's a there's a handful of very beautiful sunsets that are like and actually there's there's one moment with like early on when uh, right after they get together that Ed and uh, High are sitting on like in folding chairs outside their their mobile home and just looking at this like yeah. gorgeous sunset. Right. And it's he's explaining why she wants kids is because she, like she's like there's so many beautiful things for them to like you know and the, like the re- like us waiting longer to have kids means another day that they won't get to see was that that was her like take on and it was like a very beautiful sentiment mm. and she like and then it cuts back to them because as they're watching the sunset and then she's like that was beautiful and it was like yeah mm. I gr- agree that was that was beautiful uh kate do you remember the like mad max assassin uh, manhunter the, guy, the man who needs every shower ever. Yeah, it's a wild <laughs> character in this in this movie. It legitimately is a ma- like straight out of yeah. Mad Max. Um, yeah. just like very dirty, riding a a fat hog right. that shoots blue flames constantly. And when did Mad Max come out? Not like eighty five. So not too long. So it's a direct <sighs> reference. Seems Max. like it has to be. Right? I would guess. It's also one of my favorite things because they get this guy and like there's a there's some quote about like uh, uh, hiring him for what the market will will bear or yes. whatever. And this is like you are this is an assassin. You know what? You know? You're right. I, I did not pick up. <laughs> and it's just so nonchalant. It's just like this rich furniture guy. It's like, well, it did make me hate capitalism. So. Maybe this worked on on a, a very like subliminal level. That well, I'm glad I went on my little pre rant. Yeah, <laughs> I'm now that you're because you're right. Like he's he's he goes goes to the to Nathan Arizona, the furniture guy, and goes the guy's like, he has like a twenty five thousand dollar reward, and the guy's like like well I could get more if I took him to the black market, the the baby, and and like you're gonna mm. pay me what the market will bear, not what you <laughs> want it to bear, and. And like the guy basically like Nathan Arizona kind of agrees essentially because yeah. it makes this entire yeah. empire of unpainted furniture. Uh-huh. Was this a thing? <laughs> Was unpainted furniture? A th- it is a weird thing that they like <laughs> the rich, like one percenter uh, sells unpainted furniture. I don't know. I, I've never seen an unpainted furniture <laughs> warehouse? warehouse store ever. It sounds very Cohen brothers. Yeah, yeah. it does. But yeah, um, I think I enjoyed it. <laughs> I have enjoyed other Coen Brothers movies more. What's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Probably The Big Lebowski. Okay. Probably. I have a soft spot for Intolerable Cruelty. And like Hail Caesar was good, but it felt a little derivative of like of Big Lebowski. Um, yeah, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> I, Big Lebowski was wait, my foyer into them. So that that's part of it. It's like that's it's like, oh, this is an entirely different universe that i'm entering i don't know what this is right it's great but it's weird uh well any other final thoughts any other things that will stick with you about about raising arizona in the same vein of it being like proto coen brothers Mm -hmm. or like early coen brothers there was a lot of things that felt like they were unfinished thoughts or jokes um like there would be these moments where it felt like, oh, this is very Coen Brothersy. Like when they the at the during the bank robbery near the end, John Goodman busts in and goes, "Everybody freeze and and get down on the ground." Yep, and nobody moves. Right, and then a farmer goes, "Which do you want? Do you want us to get?" And then it <laughs> proceeds to explain, like, "I can't both." It's like if I'm good on the ground, I'll move. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but if I freeze, I won't be able to get down on the ground. Yeah. You're like, and it's just, mm-hmm. and it's like that what felt very, very Cohen's brother. He's like, mm-hmm. this is hilarious. There's also mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. during the uh, foot race, uh-huh. uh, he happens to jump over uh, or uh, Nicholas Cage jumps over a fence and there's a, a Doberman on a, <laughs> but it's on a lead and it's like, inches from his face. It can't get to mm. him. And so he's running away from it. And the, but the dog eventually like pulls out the stake. Ooh. that he's like, And so he starts chasing after Nicholas cage and then other dogs start, ch- start chasing him. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, there is this moment I did. just like, uh, they do not make cops look a intelligent or oh, be absolutely uh, not safe because they literally are just unloading uh, guns in grocery stores well, in uh, houses. Kate and I just <laughs> watched a movie that's very much the same. That's true. I, <laughs> but they make them look good. They, <laughs> oh, they look great. Right. This is this is both both as dangerous as Lethal Weapon. Yeah. But not as cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And but like there's a moment when uh, high is being chased and the cops are just shooting at a house at a house like literally the house is getting like like you're seeing like gunshots on the house as high like bursts to the front door and starts running through the largest uh, split level I have ever seen because he goes like upstairs downstairs around up and up like and it's like he goes through all these different levels and following him are the cops following the cops are the dogs (laughs) and everybody's just doing these rounds through the house. And there's these moments that like, this is funny. It needed to be just a little bit shorter, a little bit tighter. Um, it takes up a lot. It takes up a lot. Um, and like there were just all of these jokes where it's like, Oh, you're almost there Mm -hmm. that I feel like they hit. Like I think Hudsucker proxies next, I think. Well, and in a normal Coen brothers movie, those jokes would be hitting and spaced out. This is, this is like this weird, like, you know, like moment where it's just like, let's cram it all in. Yes. Um, but then I, I think this movie could have been tightened up and made, but it's just, I, I feel like because this is not the first movie that we've seen that it's been where it's somebody something early in their career and you're like, oh, I see where they're going. They haven't quite figured out their mm-hmm. thing. And I'm trying to remember what that was, but there was something else we watched. <sighs> you know, yeah, I don't I don't recall in another one. time in another place. Yeah, it's been so um, many decades of bopping around. But then the, the last thing is there's two interesting things that uh, Barry Sonnefeld was the f- director of photography who goes on to be a pretty well-known director, okay. which I just thought was a weird and there's the the photography on this is fascinating. There's some really interesting, like uh, for the 80s stuff that you'd see fairly regularly now, like cameras attached to the bottom back of the motorcycle. So uh-huh. there'd be like these like really close to the ground, low attached to like these are giant ass. I don't know how they did it in mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. like, huge film cameras. Mm-hmm. Things we do with GoPros now with no problem. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting like the, in all of the dream sequences, it would float very close to the ground and then over up and over cars and up and over like mm. you just get like within a quarter inch of things that was, that was going over. Um, and a lot of these like very interesting photography that for especially for the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's why Barry Sonnefeld went on is like he was just really good and then you know, mm. progressed. Uh, but it's not, that's a, like going from DOP to director is not a common, <laughs> like usually you stop there. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing was that uh, in, again, in the, in the uh, um, files, I found that Holly Hunter and uh, Francis McDormand were roommates at uh, Yale drama school. So like that's they'd cool. known each other for <laughs> forever, which I thought was just like two very, very cool yeah. actors knowing each other for a very long time. Love that. And I would like, and, have acted a lot together. So anyway, that's yeah. My take, uh, Kate, are you ready to school Adam in lethal weapon? Ooh. 
<laughs> my new favorite Christmas movie. Adam, did you remember that this is a Christmas movie? <laughs> I so here's the thing. <laughs> If you were to ask me one of the things that I know about Shane Black, it's that Shane Black always sets his movies at Christmas. It's a thing mm. that he does. Um, in an interview I saw when a long time ago, well, a long time in the future now, but a long time ago for me, uh, he said that he always sets it at Christmas because it adds instant emotional weight to whatever mm. is happening. Whatever mm. you have, the stakes go up because it's Christmas right. and it just adds more <laughs> things. So literally Iron Man three <laughs> classic. Um, yeah. Iron Man three happens at Christmas and most people just don't think the about first thing it. I do on Christmas um, morning, load in my DVD of Iron Man. What'd you just say? Three. Yeah. <laughs> then lethal, Weapon. then lethal weapon. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang is also set at Christmas. Like all of these movies, Are all of the lethal weapons, Shane black or no. no. Okay. So this this, and this is another thing. <laughs> Shane black wrote the first one. Mm -hmm. um, and then he got unceremoniously removed from the second one because of money mm. and it became a thing. Mm. And so he, he is not happy with the sequel, the sequels. Mm. Are you happy with the sequels? I don't know. Okay. I can't remember them well enough to, I, I, I should say similarly to Kate, I was probably nine or 10 when I saw <laughs> lethal weapon. So I yeah. don't remember it super well. Right. The, the one scene as we were walking back the street, I was saying the, like, did you guys enjoy him trying to get out of the straight jacket? Which apparently isn't in this one. And I had to uh, mm. flip you some shit immediately because, uh, yeah, no, nary a straight jacket to be found in this <laughs> film. I'm getting too old for the shit is in this, though, yes? Um, you were right about it, that, okay. for sure. Yes. Uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Which is where, like, that, like, people going, I'm getting too old for the shit. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing other people said it before that, but this is this is where, yes, the, the, uh, like, is it's, it's a vernacular. It's said three times. Uh, all by Danny uh, uh, Glover. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Danny DeVito. Yeah, all by Danny DeVito. <laughs> he just pops in. <laughs> okay. I, just, I can't do it to DeVito. Um, yeah, it's said three times. Um, the he does he does say bullshit many 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 more times. <laughs> um, uh, this is bullshit. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that wasn't a bad. That wasn't a terrible. It was all right. Danny yeah, was all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I don't know. This is like the. Uh, I mean, even having not seen this, if you asked me like what to name some buddy cop films, mm -hmm. Lethal Weapon is in there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, would you have said that? Or did you no. not? Do you not know anything about this movie <laughs> up until now? Uh, yeah, zero. Okay. Would you aware that if I'd say like, if I said I watched Lethal Weapon <laughs> last night, you would have known that it was a movie? <laughs> <laughs> not like a live cam. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just a dude holding up different guns. <laughs> I guess yeah, I set myself up for that. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> it's just a guy like holding up different weapons going. Yeah, yeah. There, there's just a big gap in my cultural uh, uh, literacy of mm. blockbuster movies like yeah. that. My parents were older. I think maybe that's it. They sure. just were like, they weren't into it. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and then brother was out of the house. Right. Um, and so, yeah, just. No and your brother reason. was into films, yes. not movies. No, he wouldn't say that, okay. but he definitely, he helped me along. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he was in raising Arizona. versus <laughs> yeah. Lethal weapon. Right. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Well, you know, same, obviously for me, uh, hence, you know, uh, me watching this um, instead of all of us seeing Raising Arizona. Right. Um, this, 
I, I in the files, uh, went to the buddy cop section of the files. Mm. <laughs> there's uh, a whole section on buddy cop section. Oof. Um, and, uh, it was the pioneer of the buddy cop genre, mm. Mm. 1949. Oh, Kurosawa. Wow. Really? <laughs> um, and then uh, the and straight line to Mel Gibson <laughs> anti-Semitism. <laughs> well, it, it, the, the, the American like dip over is in the heat of the night is like the, uh, okay. uh, the That's proper 50s. One. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, another thing I found in the files here is that um Shane Black, who you mentioned, um, originally wrote this to be supposedly much darker. Yeah. Um, and uh, that doesn't surprise me. It was supposed to have culminated in something which I would have really loved to have seen, mm. uh, which was a chase scene where a trailer truck full of cocaine explodes <laughs> over the Hollywood Hills with cocaine snowing over the Hollywood sign. <laughs> also on brand for Christmas. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I like yeah, that, that, that that ending to me would have been a much, much better ending than how that this movie ends. was rough. It's really rough, right? Like rough as in like <clears throat> poorly executed or rough as in just like I, unbelievable. I, know, I mean, oh, I don't I, remember rough as in like rough hand to hand combat <laughs> oh, okay. is what I mean. Got yeah. It. Yeah. It, it's, it's like a little off the rails E feeling. There's okay. like mm-hmm. a weird, the end of this film is Mel Gibson rolling around doing Vietnam special forces hand-to-hand combat against Gary Busey in, in uh, Danny Glover's front lawn Mm -hmm. surrounded by cops Mm -hmm. and police helicopters who are not doing anything. They're like egging him on. Just watching. It's just like, yeah, it's it's like, yeah, it's like a a cockfight or something. He he almost chokes out Gary Busey with his thighs. Excellent. Yep. Um, but this was him <laughs> saying, okay, we could just arrest you, but yes. no. I'm going to beat the shit no, out no. of you. This is going to be my moment to shine with all of my latent Vietnam <laughs> War era fighting skills. I don't know if... if- I don't know if this is it, but I feel like we may have found uh, a direct line of like our perception of the cops today. <laughs> like... I, I definitely was thinking, so Vietnam War ended in 75. Yeah. You know, so to right. me, there was a lot of nostalgia. And, nostalgia and, like, and baggage trauma. still here. Like yeah. over a decade later, sure. this is still very much like this is a fresh wound. Right. And, and, and the trauma, though, isn't sophisticated. It's like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He wants the psycho pension. That's actually what they that said. That was a line? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So Gary Busey is a, a, is a like, disturbed vet? Is and that the, so was Mel Gibson. So was Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Mel Which, was like a former Green Beret or some shit. I keep, this is a, like an example of my lack of cultural knowledge. No, this me. is great. When I was watching it, I was like, go get him, Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> I would also watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> saying Mel Brooks I'm like it's not mm-hmm. Mel Brooks uh, also sorry no it's it is I mean they did make a loaded weapon series of movies Mel Brooks you know, did no no not Mel Brooks okay, but you know like yeah you have uh, there's a line there I guess you got the spoof spoof series I don't know it's, it feels like it's hard to to spoof because this almost feels lethal weapon in my mind was like like height of of 80s action like like it's almost a spoof of reality. It's like surreal already. 
I don't know if that's I, true. I actually, I felt like um, I expected to like it less. Um, I actually thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the redeeming parts of it was more, I appreciated the domestic life yeah. of Danny Glover's home. Danny like, Glover's home is portrayed so well. Yeah. And um, adds some like emotional weight to an otherwise completely empty movie. For sure. I mean, <clears throat> they there is an attempt at emotional weight <laughs> with Mel Gibson's like PTSD and like sadness and suicidal, right. whatever. Right. I feel nothing for no, that character no. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is that, uh, is that affected by current Mel Gibson or is that, no. is that no. just, I actually poor? don't, I have some idea of what the fuck Mel Gibson has done that everybody right. doesn't like, but I, I don't even know. Same. It's, it's legitimately just like the character is basically immediately unlikable yeah. and just, you know, like, the the trailer thing of like pointing the gun at his head and his mouth and just like click, 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 you yeah. know whatever and it's just yeah. like d- do yeah. it I don't know I yeah. sure <laughs> that was the other thing that I was thinking about was in terms of suicide like that would be such a triggering movie to watch oh, if you sure. were ex- have experiencing suicidal ideation multiple characters in this film are suicide so like that's another like the the if raising arizona is the like cartoony portrayal of right. reagan era this is actually like even though it is heightened this is like a more gritty portrayal where legitimately all of the characters are suicidal economically depressed yeah uh uh also smoking constantly also drinking yeah. a fuck ton yeah you know like and again this is kind of like there's no real sense of class either. This is just everybody is doing this. I felt like that's funny that you got more of a dark, a grittier side from it. For me, it felt more like, yeah, everybody's middle class kind of, you know, it's like they've got the jobs, like this person's the rich daughter of whatever. I got more of like the eighties kind of war on drugs storyline. Sure. Yeah. That's definitely here. Because it was like, we're the good guys. Like, the bad guys are the ones with the cocaine. They got, yeah. You yes. know? <laughs> or sorry, heroin. Heroin and cocaine. Yes. Um, And so that was what was being really sure. hit home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad guys chug warm eggnog. Well, straight from the carton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> that's, um, just, that's just a uh, like a health hazard. <laughs> here is a surefire way to get me out of the movie immediately yeah music by eric clapton oh wanking yeah add in a squonky sax on top of that and i am like firmly like can't deal the 80s might not be for you (laughs) i know yeah 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 uh it's the the, uh (laughs) it's the highlander composer as well by the way oh is it uh, responsible for this so yeah. <laughs> huh. I, so it's interesting because I'm, I'm hearing you guys talk about the suicide ideation and like the, or the suicidal content in this. I mean, like, this isn't, it's not a new conversation, but talking about how, you know, taking films in their like cultural context. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if this is like this, like these insanely rough, broad strokes of like talking about suicide is the best that the, that they could do in that so. time frame. Or if it's just, it was like, if it was just clunky handling, no matter what. For this type of movie. Sure. I mean. Yes. 
No, no, nobody's at the time or now expecting Lethal Weapon to solve any problems. <laughs> no, but I, the reason I'm asking is because uh, one of the things that Shane Black as a writer is known for is basically taking insanely stupid popcorn concepts yeah. and inserting like real stakes into it. And and like sure. like Danny Glover's family would be a good yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Like, no other like popcorn writer can actually drop in drama like yeah, actual, yeah. His, like real his human. family in the archetypal hollywood movie the his family would not exist it would right. just be the two guys you mm-hmm. might have some idea that he has some family but you'd never see them you know whatever like yeah yeah i i agree with that and like similar oh, sorry i I'll just say like similarly with like iron man 3 he does the same thing where he like he's iron man 3 is probably the most it's the least Marvel of all the Marvel movies because mm-hmm. it's 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 a Shane Black movie. So there's all the Marvel like action. But underneath it, you're watching a a guy like Iron like Tony Stark is trying to decide, like, does he keep his promise to his fiance or does he keep his like, does he take like where his like does his physical limitations are actually bumping into and creating other uh like larger problems? It's It's a much more philosophical movie than I think. All sure. of the Marvel movies. It's just, and I don't know if you, have you guys seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Um, also, very interesting, like, look at a failure and how, uh, how failure in different contexts manifests pain and how that interacts. It's, it's yeah. I think that the, um, the, the most cred that I give to this film and the writing is there's, uh, like halfway through the movie, there's this um, group of really rad kids. One of them is wearing like 3D glasses. Excellent. <laughs> um, and they're like kind of terrified of the cops, but also intrigued by them. Um, and uh, at one point, they're questioning one of the like little black kids. And he says, uh, mama says cops shoot black people. Mm-hmm. And there's just this like I uttered like shit. Well, but that. <laughs> dynamic was also complicated because it's a black police exactly. officer yeah. yeah which i feel like is is potentially this is just like my armchair psychology of like racial dynamics which obviously i'm no expert of um but it's like to choose the lead good guy officer as being for uh, to be a black actor yeah. in the time the of the war on drugs is like a very strategic choice yeah. of yeah. warming up, you know, cultural attitudes about their role in the community. Yeah. Well, and as like the veteran of the police force, right. you know, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It, 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 you know, from a cynical perspective, you could see that they're, you could say that they're trying to, you know, like curry favor. Um, but I think, at the same time, it does feel like a, a, a it makes the, the argument much more complex or the conversation much, much more complex and um, human. I, I do think that they were in that way. Uh, yeah. Adding more nuance than what you could expect from a movie from that era where like the main bad guys were affluent white people, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. yeah. Um but in reality, in the time, of course, those aren't the people that are getting incarcerated. Right. You know, for, yeah, the, the, those white guys are getting off. Like, they'll, yeah. they'll be, they'll like, you know, the end one, up with- the one moment of that, though, of like, tokenism that I felt that, well, I'm sure there were many others, but uh, the one that got like really- when Mel Gibson, <laughs> I, all right, I'm like 
not Mel Brooks. Um, <laughs> when Mel Gibson was being tortured, uh-huh. there was one scene with one Asian actor who yeah. was like the torturer henchman yeah. who got killed like instantly. Yeah. No, Asian representation is like the 80s are horrendously like 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 we we have bad representation for African American for African descendants in general uh like across the board right but like asian descendant actors it's beyond stereotypes like this is like the like this is like the long duck dong era Mm -hmm. like you've got like such bad stereotypes and even i was thinking about like the movie actually starts with a death Mm -hmm. and and like of course there's the dispensable black death that shows up a lot yeah um so we begin, I mean, women are also essentially useless in this movie, yeah. but a, like the death of a white woman, a particularly like a young nude white woman, she's still useless, but it be, it's like a meaningful death to mm. begin with. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like that's literally, sorry, that's literally the opening scene is her yeah. killing herself. Yes. And there's, like and this, she is naked. Yeah. And there's this like <laughs> a pathos that guilt's gets built around like the tragedy of this yeah, beautiful yeah. white woman killing like it is you do get an equal share of nipples the movie starts with three pairs of nipples you get her yeah. nipples then okay. you get mel gibson's nipples okay. and then you get danny glover's nipples it's like you just get nipple that's, nipple nipple that's kind of <laughs> not just nipple like nudity like yeah yeah everyone's yeah. nude everybody's nude uh yeah you get some mel gibson butt in there um i do it isn't like the reagan <laughs> The like Reagan Thatcher effect on culture, of, around, specifically around like sex and nudity, like is fascinating <laughs> to watch. Like seventies and seventies and eighties movies where you're like, yeah, just seeing like nipples and butts fairly like <laughs> commonly in yeah. movies. To like, they basic like I would say that we're not even now getting the amount of nudity. Definitely no Mel Gibson butts anymore. I don't. I know. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, we do get uh, some some additional cringy. Uh, there's a moment where um, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover like have a tussle on the ground. They're rolling around, and Mel Gibson says, "What are you a fag?" That's like okay. Mm, All right. I miss that. Oh really? Yeah. He. It's a very under the breath thing, but it's like didn't ooh, need to be in here. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. Yeah. I loved the line when. Uh, uh, Danny Glover is trying to save his daughter from the henchmen and mm-hmm. he threatens them all with a grenade and yes. he, and they're like, you wouldn't kill your daughter. And he's like, she'll die my way. Yeah. <laughs> Every father's dream. <laughs> You're not going to take her down. I will. Yeah, basically. It's like the, they, the women, this is my analysis. Yeah. They can't die in the way they want. Nope. They can't cook also. Right. That is a thing in the uh, Danny Glover house. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it becomes a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's fine. Whatever. Um, and then they can't offer professional advice. The doctor uh-huh. like literally is yeah. like, this guy, <laughs> this guy needs support. Yeah. Right. And they're like, nope. And literally close the door on her that says men only. He's really? Like, yeah, he's going to the bathroom. Yeah, he's going to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. I wonder if that's supposed to be commentary that just was like poorly handled, but or if I it was just like it must have. I, I mean, hope so. Like, very, like benefit yeah. the doubt. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I mean, it could just be eighties bullshit. Yeah. Have either of you been in a helicopter? No. Mm-mm. You? No. 
I thought I thought the chances were low, but I wanted to ask because there's some sweet, sweet helicopter For shots sure. in this. Very uh, talented. Good, yeah, good helicopter Pilot. getaways, and like unnecessary there's one of those where i'm like okay they had the helicopter for the day so they were like it's going to be in this shot too <laughs> uh, you know when like it circles around yeah there's like the line of cars yeah. and then the helicopter too for some reason you know Wait, it's like sitting so on the ground no no like oh, tailing yeah. the cars like okay they, they still had the helicopter it doesn't serve a plot point here but they're they're keeping it in. to be fair when i lived in california there were multiple times when there would be like cop cars driving and a helicopter just following behind them with a sure. spotlight so but this is not a police chopper this is one uh, of the Guys, chopper. Oh, okay, got it's it. It's like wooden veneer. Yeah, yeah. It's very. Why would you want a wooden choppers? I mean, not full width. I just remember there's some details. Oh, internally, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like on the outside, it looked like <laughs> no. a wooden. No. no, no, on the outside, it is on the outside a yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, like, like a bottom I, I realize detail. that it's a, a, it's a detail thing, but like, why would you want to give the impression that your helicopter is wooden? Because <laughs> wood is expensive. This Plus is you nice ha- wood. You have a rifleman right out the window. They'll just kill anybody who's <laughs> making fun of okay, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. look at that wood. Ah! Yeah. Um, the, I want to go back to the casual use of grenades because there's a lot of casual use <laughs> yes. of grenades. And uh, also in my movie. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh. Though, by the way, the, because in Raising Arizona, the, the like Mad Max character, it's his introduction is in a dream yep. that High has. And it starts with him like riding down and throwing a grenade at a rabbit. Because and mm-hmm. then shooting with a shotgun a lizard off of a mm-hmm. <laughs> that part I I was very I was laughing very hard at the screen because it was like this is this is insane that he's like but then uh, like high ends up killing the guy by pulling the pin out of the grenade but like the guy uses a grenade mo- like they blow up multiple cars yeah 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 anyway yeah same we so, have you got smoke grenades here apparently you got grenades, grenades to blow yeah. up things you know it, it just made me think like as I don't really identify as a child of the 80s. I had three years in it. But I remember as a kid, even grenades, there it would be like a thing. Right. Of, Every pine cone became be, a grenade. Yeah, like a holdover <laughs> from the Vietnam War that I never really thought of. Sure. But yeah, it's definitely a Vietnam thing. Yeah. I mean, it's you're weird. absolutely right. There's a lot of these things. It's like, you know, I think we were talking a while ago about how, you know, like quicksand was going to be a bigger problem when I was a kid. I thought quicksand was going to be a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, lava. Lava. Mm. All these things. Grenades were on that. Like, everybody has, everybody's got a grenade. I remember, like, every one of my friends seemed to have, like, a military surplus grenade box that was filled with pine cones. See, like, I had a kid house. in my school who was very into military history and always, like, show and tell type of stuff. He would always bring in one of his pieces. Mm. Um, cool. And, yeah. Uh, and one time... Uh, he brought in a grenade and it was a live grenade and uh, it became a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was like supposed to be like, you know, I brought in this like, you know, decommissioned, I don't know what, whatever you tell. Yeah. Like world war one grenade. And it was like, um, that's not, this is actually a a thing. That's live munition. He knew it was live. He, he did not know, but But someone recognized it escalated. Yeah. Like the, the teacher I think was like, um, I don't know that it's great that you just start. You have a grenade right now. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it didn't blow up or anything. I'm fine. Everybody. (laughs) I made it. (laughs) Um, I just, but the, the use of grenades picks up like three quarters of the way. It starts with the Danny Glover thing and then grenades are in the movie. Excellent. And, um, 
And that's that's about when like the climax of this film feels so off the rails to me because Mm -hmm. it just becomes the prototypical action movie where it's just I was like my brain was melting out of my ears because it was just like constant the constant like (laughs) for what felt like forever. Totally. It actually also reminded me of a type of. 80s cinema death oh. of the I even wrote a note the 80s palpitating gun death <laughs> yeah 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 there there gets it gets a yeah. point in this movie where there is just like we are devoid of story or dialogue and we are just Action. taking each other out for a good amount of time and what's crazy to me about this is that this this movie was nominated for one Oscar and Action. it was best sound. And oh. I was like, Whoa. what? I mean, it Weird. might be one of those technical things where like you can hear each individual bullet. I, you you know. can hear a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's truly overwhelming. I don't know. It was for me anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I just thought it was boring. And by the end I was like, come on. Absolutely. I think that this movie is, was, I was on board when it was like a kind of character focused yeah. thing. And then it just yeah. like, eh, Forget about that for a while. <laughs> Do you think, I, I, and I'm, I'm apparently just going to keep asking the same variant of the same question, but is it up? Cause like at the time I'm, I'm thinking this might've been the beginning of that trope. Like if, if you had never seen a movie that had that, like that, just like insane. Sure. Right. Black, like, uh, you know, just action nonstop, you know, mm-hmm. s- sensory overload. Yeah. Would that have been impressive? Yeah. It's like if say. you hadn't seen it so many fucking times. Yeah. Since. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the Oscar nomination or whatever for sound, like, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. it was just like this, like mm-hmm. visceral, like, whoa, you right. know, but yeah, totally just seems like, like, uh, inter- the interstellar thing where they like just literally sensorily overload you sonically. <laughs> sure. I, it, yeah. And like, I will say in the theater, it, it worked on me uh-huh. for like, I did you see interstellar? Mm-mm. So there's a, a couple moments when they're, uh, go like traveling through, uh, the black hole to like, actually like, um, like it's just, and it's insanely intense and they've, they, it's, um, didn't uh, it cause seizures for people and stuff? I remember hmm. hearing stuff. I, I don't know if it, it did cause like people were very uncomfortable. Like, yeah, it wasn't, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it did like full on seizure, but it might, I mean, it certainly could have, but like for it's Hans Zimmer and he's like playing this like giant pipe organ through it. Nice. But it's like, everything is up to 11 and like cool. the, the act, the, the dialogue, you can't hear it. You can hear <laughs> that they're talking, but everything is so loud and it's over, it's overwhelming. Yeah. But it's, it's giving the impression of just like, <laughs> like what they're going through. Yeah. And I thought it was incredible. Like people were pissed. It's like, I couldn't hear the dialogues. Like, yeah, that's the fucking point. Like uh-huh. the whole point is they're like in this, like, and everything's shaking insanely violently. Like, yeah, yeah that's what it was like. If you're being almost torn apart. Yeah. That's what it would sound and feel like. Right. Yeah. I can't say if, you know, uh, the lens of the time, if this would have I know. been different, but I will say that, um, the movie was a lot less tropey than I thought mm-hmm. it would be. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for a, the vast majority of the movie, um, I was like waiting for certain things to happen and like get eye rolly. And it really didn't mm-hmm. until the last, like very long action sequence. Got it. Um, if we ever get, it, I'm, I'm gonna have to watch this again. Cause yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's been like 20 years since I saw it. There were, there were like, there were moments of eye roll for me, but it had an integrity to it that, I so, that like an authentically I was 80. By. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is just authentic to the time. 
like the eye roll is like, yeah, we've, we've moved on culturally from that, yeah. that ideology. Yeah. It, it didn't fully transcend that as <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone has claimed lethal weapon to do. No, it was a massive, <laughs> it was, it was a massive success, uh, grossed over $120 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. In uh, eight, in eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and yes, it is important to note Mel Gibson is the lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. in the movie. Oh. Yeah. And I feel like this is just the important moment to discuss perhaps his greatest source of weaponry. <laughs> Go on. The mullet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really stunning. I do it's, vaguely. It's I remember the, especially from the poster, like his hair is billowy, right? It's billowy, but it's not, it's actually, there's a certain elegance to it. It's, it's got a feather. Okay. That it doesn't go full deep down the sh- the shoulder. Okay, it's maybe almost because, not a mullet. Yeah, it's like probably if it were too long, it would get in the way. You know, for his martial arts, yeah, yeah. gotta keep it a little. Well, I think part of it too is Mel that Gibson, known for his martial arts, <laughs> so he had to learn three very obscure styles of martial arts. Are you kidding Brazilian me? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, capoeira. Uh-huh. And then what do, was do they the go, I don't remember. Do they go through this in the movie? No, this, this is in the files. files. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and it's specifically for this last scene because they wanted to make it look like he was special forces trained to, you know, and in like a fighting style that you wouldn't normally be seeing. And it's true. You God. don't like. Yeah. I haven't really watched a toke out with thighs before. <laughs> right. I mean, what she does two times in this movie. Well, I mean, uh, on a top does it in Goldeneye. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, there's another universe where Mel Gibson is Chuck Norris. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's the mullet as the through line. Yeah. I mean, the thing, I think the thing that helps it kind of stray, it is a mullet, but the thing that like, that helps (laughs) Nick is like, it is a mullet. It's mullet. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But he, I think he has an incredibly thick head of hair that I think wouldn't work. Gives it that volume that is like, is it? Yeah. 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 For sure. But Let's not give all the credit to Mel Gibson because nope. Let's in not the give credits, there is a line that says Mer- Mel Gibson hairstyle created by Ramsey. Created by. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't even just say stylist. No, no. In general. Created by. So it was like a moment. And funny that I'm again bringing up my brother, but. Um, <laughs> he also there, had hair So I was Ramsey. born in 87, <laughs> okay. right? Um, there are these Christmas photos of me and my brother and Santa and my brother's mullet. And it was a few years after this movie. I think this, dare I say, <laughs> use the word seminal moment no. for mullets. And the, yeah. and, and I don't think it ha- was called a mullet back in the day. But my, I was talking about this with my brother, mm-hmm. the mullet. Mm-hmm. And he was saying when he cut it... Um, let's say six years after Lisa Weapon came out. Okay. People were like, what are you doing, man? Whoa. That's a mistake. Wait, that that was his look and like, like his yes. identity that it was not Just a discarding. Good yeah. Well, I mean, it is a creation. It is like a diff. It's an, it's a character in the, in the film and it would be a character in your life. Do you think you know? that like, did the mullet start with Mel Gibson and end with Billy Ray Cyrus? I don't know. Like did Billy Ray Cyrus the, kill the, the mullet? mullet's back. That's it true. Is it is back. I likewise had a mullet growing up, which nice. turned into a situation where I had like a rat tail. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. inevitable. Um, and my mom kept my rat tail when, yeah. when I cut it. 
might still have Wait, it. Wait, like, yeah. like in physically kept it? Like Physi- she physically she, kept like tied it. off both ends and like I have his rat tail. Yes. So she's trying to clone what other meaning of kept. I it? don't <laughs> know. Like I thought, like maybe she, when she cut your hair, you had like an Anakin Skywalker sort you of situation. Get that back, man. Get it an extension. Of oh that. shit! Yeah, in my nose, <laughs> or just like right, on, right, right, right at like the peak of where your hair would grow. So you just have this, and you could like tape it to your head. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Or you know, if we're if we're popping around and I happen to run into myself, yeah. I could snatch it off. Yeah, mm. you don't need this. You don't know what you have, kid. <laughs> Um, I will say that the mullet also very much like as soon as Mel Gibson was present on the screen, I was like, oh, this is a movie about our friend and world class musician Carl Blau. <laughs> it was very it, like multiple shots. I was just like, that is Carl Blau. <laughs> I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, never seen Carl's butt, though, so can't exactly. Or have you? Comparison. I you don't know. Was Carl the butt double in this movie? Butt double. <laughs> I did not see that credit, Mm-mm. but created by, but created by Ramsey, <laughs> but created by crucifixion. Um, but I, like overall, did you, did you enjoy the movie? Like no. as a, as a, okay. No. <laughs> as a I movie. Did. I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> I, it was fine. It yeah. was whatever it, 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 I did not, I likewise did not, I, I had hackles going into this yeah. and yeah. I did not hate it as much as I thought. That's, I mean, that my expectations were so low yeah. that I was pleasantly surprised. It's okay. whatever to me. Yeah. I yeah. would probably not ever watch this movie no. again. And I don't think I would seek out the sequels. My understanding, if I remember right, three was good. But um, there are, yeah, so there are three sequels. Oh, three and four is good. I don't remember. And a, a television series. What? There's a Fox television series. Currently? Uh, in uh, present day, it just ended, I think. Oh. <laughs> it, it was huh. interesting of what you were saying about the director uh, making movies in Christmas time. Because it, it did make me think, I really enjoy movies that occur when Christmas happens to be going in the background, but is not focused on. Yeah. Um, it made me think of Nomadland. And mm-hmm. you know how... Yeah. There's there is something poignant about that and a weird dissonance often if a carol is occurring, you know, so I did appreciate one of like the original needle drop situations. Mm -hmm. Is there a lot of those just like Christmas music? They just like drop it in your. Yeah. I mean, that definitely happens in this for sure. You know, Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about Lethal Weapon. Do you, Kate? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No. Okay. <laughs> uh, should we should we try and get ourselves home? We got yeah, a we got I mean, a trifecta like, power up. We got two movies. Two movies. We're already in the late eighties. Yep. So we're like not too, too terribly far. distant. No, it's not like mm-hmm. Rashomon territory. At mm-hmm. the very least, based on well, Evie's experience, John just left us. Yeah, but uh, did we tell you this? John just like you, you know John Van Dusen. Yeah. Yeah. He just like. He might actually, he could have been wandering around because it was 86 when we, he was here. Oh, he yeah. just decided to leave and like wander around the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> dude just left. So odd choice. Yeah. Um, but we're going to try and get you and hopefully us home. Should okay. we do that? Sure. All right, computer. Do we do it? One moment processing memory quality within acceptable guidelines. Please stand by as temporal transport is initiated in three, two, one. Oh no. What? I'm not even 
I'm just sad this time. I'm not angry. I'm just sad. I hope, I hope that Kate is at home in 2021 where she belongs. Where are we? Where are we, Nick? But we are in 1990 for the third time. What the actual (laughs) fuck? This concludes today's adventure. None of This Is Real is brought to you by Adam Farnsworth, Nick Rennes, and a sentient time machine. Our theme song, 21st Century Coyote, and our outro music, Pirates of the Known Dinghy, were written and performed by John Van Dusen. Visit noneofthisisreal.com for more information on the podcast. Also, follow at N-O-T-I-R pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's N-O-T-I-R-P-O-D. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Podcasts, it's radio for millennials. Our behind-the-scenes podcast, Some of This is Real, is available exclusively by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash N-O-T-I-R pod. Thank you for listening, and remember, none of this is real.